Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Glad to be here. Are you glad to be here? Amen. I know we have so many people in the summer traveling. I know just on the director team alone, there's like three or four uh, sets of couples that are, that are out today traveling. So we, we pray for them while they're gone. We miss them while they're gone. But we are glad to be here. Hey, you know, our goal at Cornerstone Church is to make uh, this the very best church experience you have ever had. And that starts uh, with uh, genuine heartfelt worship and experiencing the presence of God. I hope you felt the presence of God this morning. Um, you know, five minutes in God's presence will do more than... than uh, a show, certainly a show, or any sort of entertainment, or even my very best message. So I felt you, I, I hope you felt the presence of God. It continues with uh, just getting into God's Word. And if you are a guest here today, I typically am an expository preacher, which means I, I typically go verse by verse, something akin to maybe like what a Chuck Swindoll would do. Uh, if I personally, uh, that's my style, and I personally think that you guys learn the most uh, via that way. Um, it also continues on after that with some fellowship. And so today, we've got lunch and roulette. So even if you're a guest and you're like, hey, I'd love to go out to lunch with somebody or one of our elders or maybe even with me and my wife, uh, please come up to the front afterwards and we'd love to uh, uh, take you out. And if you're a guest, I'm going to treat you, okay? It's my treat to come with me. So uh, I hope you are having a great time. We are in a series <clears throat> titled Chosen, and we're taking a, a slight break from our normal progression. We've been moving through the uh, New Testament, and we'll pick that back up kind of after vacation season here, towards the end of uh, end of July, um, and we'll pick up right with the Book of Luke, John, and Acts right on to the end of the year. Um, but right now we're taking a, a break. We're in a series titled "Chosen." It's coming from mainly from First Peter. Okay, and you'll see even as we begin to read those very first verses in First Peter today that he talks about we are God's chosen people. We have an identity in Christ. It's not our circumstances or anything we do to design our lifestyle. Lifestyle design is huge right now, right? It's all about, you know, surrounding yourself with the things that oh, just remind you and inspire you to be who you want to be. It's a very big thing, right? And not necessarily uh, anything inherently wrong with it, but when we start to derive our worth and our identity from the things that are around us, then that becomes an issue because, I don't know about you, but I've been in times in my life, and I'm 40 years young now, uh, where I could be important and have everything going for me. Life is going up and to the right, and then bam, and one day something changes, right? And now I'm not important, and now I don't have all that I, I had before. And so when that occurs, does our identity change? simply because our circumstances tell us that, that we have less? No. Naturally, yes. But spiritually, no. As Christians, God wants us to live above our circumstances, above people's choices. Whether somebody chooses us or not, He wants our identity to be rock solid. And so we learned last week that our identity comes from God's choice of us. He determined us to be 
exceptionally valuable when he sent his son to die for us. And when we express faith in him, he says, I want you on my team. Remember we talked about lining kids up uh, on the recess and picking up teams. Well, when God picks up teams, he does it solely on the basis of our faith and expressing faith in, in Jesus Christ. And so long as our faith doesn't change, his choice in us doesn't change, and our identity as one of his special people doesn't change no matter what happens around us. And so that's kind of the center uh, of our series. And so what we're going to look at today is God changes us. God changes us. When I started thinking about my own life, my own uh, experience with God, and I thought, when did I first express faith in Christ? I would have to say that I was probably about 15. I was about 15 when I made a choice for myself um, it was my faith. I wanted to love God. I wanted to follow God. It wasn't my grandparents or my parents' faith, although they were very strong Christians. It became me. And so no matter what they did, I was going to follow Christ. I would have to say that that was right around 15. And when I started thinking about some of the changes that, that God made in my life since that time, I think about how just having a, a, a self-control for sure, um, thinking of how be, going from short-tempered to becoming more patient and calm. I think of uh, being someone who's more naturally very, very intense and can come off uh, kind of rough at times and how the Lord has made me, has tempered that and made me more gentle. And so what about you? When did, when did you come to know Christ? How old were you? How many of you were less than 20? Less than 20 when you came to know Christ. How old were you, Mike? 15. 15, right with me. Do you, do you kind of remember where or when? That, that's insane that you remember those details. That's good. Can you remember your anniversary and your wife's birthday just as well? No? <laughs> we better talk about that. <laughs> yeah. How about someone else? When did you come to know the Lord? Yes, Lola. Fifth grade, and it became your faith. That's fantastic. Do you kind of remember where you were? Or? Where? Wow. It's awesome. A lot of years ago. How old are you now? Just as pretty as ever. Amen. Happy birthday. Wonderful. You know what? Is we had time, we could share those stories of when we came to faith. And, and I bet we could talk about how God has changed each one of us, right? There's certain things. You know that you're born with certain bents in your personality. And I bet if, if we had time just to testify, just like I'm more naturally very driven, very ambitious, and can be very hard charging, God has tempered that and changed that and mellowed me out in many ways. In fact, one of the compliments I often get from people is, Mr. Jones or Pastor Mike, you are so calm. You are so calm. And I have to give that credit to the Lord uh, for making that change in me. You see, when we think about the changes that God makes in us, today I want you to understand that there are changes that happen instantly. The very moment that you and I express faith in Christ, there are some things about us that change in an instant, in a moment, Okay? And then there are other things that change slowly over time as God begins to work on us. And that ultimately, God will change everything. He will make all things new, 
one day. And so we're going to look at each of those three changes. But the very bottom line is that God chose us to change us. He chose you with a greater goal, with a greater purpose in mind. He didn't just... When you express faith and you say, oh, I, and he says, yes, I want you on my team. He doesn't just bring you on his team without a greater purpose. He has something, a, a goal in mind, and he's going to start changing you instantly and slowly over time and then ultimately all at once at the end. So let's take a look uh, at those things. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, and if you just stand with me this morning, we're going to, just in honor of God's word, we'll read from 1 Peter chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you today, but you would really, really like one, um, just raise a hand. I think Mr. Campbell over here would be very glad to bring you one. There's a whole stack of them, and if you don't have one of your own, just keep it as a gift from Cornerstone Church. I'm reading from the New Living Translation here. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I am writing to God's chosen people. Right away, he mentions it. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. This is like modern-day Turkey. So he's writing to believers in this place. Remember, these believers were suffering. And when we are not picked, okay, when we are passed over, and not only passed over, but picked on and persecuted like these people are, we tend to put everything on the table. We talked about that last week. And these people did that. They put everything on the table because they started considering, well, man, why are we being, we're not only not being picked, but we're being picked on. Maybe there's something wrong with us. Maybe we shouldn't identify as Christians. Um, maybe that would solve the reason for being persecuted. And Paul come, or Peter comes to them and says, no, you are chosen. This is your identity. You didn't have an identity before this. Stay with it. He, so this whole letter kind of circles around that thought. So he reminds them right away that they are chosen, that they are part of God's special people. Verse 2, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago and his spirit made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Verse 8. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious and expressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets, the great prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all these prophets, they wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this grace of salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory. Afterward, they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit from heaven. 
it is so wonderful, salvation that is, it is so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. And so we see right away, not only these people in, in modern day Turkey, but us as well. We are God's chosen people. We are chosen because we express faith in Christ, not because of anything we have done or earned, not because of the neighborhood we live in, the car we drive, the, the clothes we wear, the circle of friends we hang out with, how much salary we make. It's nothing. It has nothing to do with anything about ourselves except that we have expressed faith in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And so God chooses us. He puts us on his team. Look at verse 2. He said that God the Father knew you and chose you. God knows everything about us, and both good and bad, and yet he still chose us. You know, some people, when you get to know them, you kind of unchoose them. Have you ever had that happen before? Because you find out they got these little quirks or these little things going on and they drive you crazy, right? And I bet, you know, aren't you glad that your spouse has gotten to know you or your kids have gotten to know you or anybody has really gotten to know you still chooses you day after day after day? You know, and the same thing is, is true with God. God knew you, everything about you and I, and yet he still chose you. He chose you. He took everything, both the good and the bad. You know, my wife keeps telling me that I'm the cheapest person she's ever met, but I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Some of you got that. You'll get that later. You'll get that later. (laughs) So God knew us and he still chose us. Took everything, all because we expressed faith in Christ. Keep reading. He says, And his spirit has made you holy. Now, if you underline in your Bible, I would recommend underlining or highlighting that because that made you holy. That says right away, when I read that, it says, you, I, we were changed. There's an implication there that before God chose us, we weren't holy. We were unholy. We were separated from God and we didn't have anything good in ourselves that would cause us to interact with others in God-pleasing, mutually beneficial ways. It was only by His Spirit coming within us. When we express faith in in Christ, God says, you are on my team. And He pulls us over. It's like this. You know, when you join a team, what's one of the first things you get on a sports team, especially? A uniform. You get a uniform and you're assigned a number, right? Right? Here's your uniform. You put it on and that identifies you as part of God's team. Well, he does the exact same thing, except the uniform he gives you is his spirit. When you express faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes, lives within you. And it's like you're putting on a uniform and it's not you that makes you holy. It's this holiness of God's spirit living within you that makes you holy. And so when God looks at you, he doesn't see an unholy mess He sees holiness. He sees exactly what is necessary in order to interact with him. Guys, we cannot interact with God without being holy. Sin cannot enter into his presence, which is why Adam and Eve, after they sinned, what did God do with them? 
He, they, he had to leave. They had to leave the Garden of Eden. They had to leave God's presence. They couldn't walk with him in the same way. And so when we express faith in Christ, we're chosen, we're given an identity as one of his special people. We put on that uniform in the, of the Holy Spirit here and he, we become holy. God's Spirit changes us. So how does God's Spirit change us? I talked about some instant changes, some changes that instantly happen because we come to know the Lord. I made a little table of them. We're going to walk through here. I recommend underlining or highlighting them or in the bottom of your, your bolt. And I left you a little section of, of notes uh, where you can uh, write, jot some of these things down. We mentioned the first thing. Look at verse 2 again. It's, As a result, you have obeyed him. Again, the implication is before you disobeyed God. Before you didn't do the things that God wanted you to do. But now... Now that you're on his team, you're starting to obey. You're starting to order your life according to his word. Uh, he says, you have been cleansed, implying that prior you were dirty. You were sinful. Boy, I hesitate to even share or speak aloud some of the things that float through my mind before I know Christ, right? There's a reason why we call them dirty jokes. There's a reason why we say... That's filthy language, right? Or we talk about those things in those ways. Has anybody ever had their mouth washed out with soap? Anybody, mom, ever done that? Man, I think I had that happen to me one time. It's still like recovering from that. That was a rough go, wasn't it? Have you ever had that? Oh, that's gross. For lying. For lying. Ooh, ooh, no good. Never lie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But there's a reason why we talk about that. But when we come to know Christ, instantly we become clean. Instantly. And so we keep reading here. May God give you more and more grace and peace. What is grace? Grace is nothing more than divine influence. He's, what's implying here is, you know what? Before you knew, before you were part of God's chosen team, you were unable to overcome evil. You were you were dominated by the dictates of the flesh. If your body or your natural mind said, do it, it feels good, it's going to make you more of this or more of that, you did it. And you had a hard time overcoming those things. There's constant testimonies to this, constant testimonies to this in, our, uh, in media today. I have not seen this movie. I will not watch this movie, but I read the plugged-in review from Focus on the Family about Rocket Man, about Elton John's story. And even Elton John testifies. This is life. If anybody was ever unable to overcome evil, uh, over, uh, boy, his story testifies. I would recommend reading that plugged-in review, especially if you think you're going to go see that. It's kind of a raunchy movie um, from what I read. Um, but when we come to know Christ, we become able to overcome evil. What about peace? What is peace? Peace is a freedom from fear. Not only when we come to know Christ and we're chosen and part of his team, we no longer have to fear death because our eternally, as part of God's family, our eternal destiny is with him. And so this gives us a certain sense of courage and, and bravery. Keep reading in verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, meaning we were spiritually dead at one time, but when we express faith in Christ, we become spiritually alive. That connection with God is renewed. 
And we instantly have a connection with anybody else who has faith, right? I just met Steve and Debbie this morning, but I already have a connection with them as as believers. I already have a connection. Have you ever met someone at the airport or sitting on a, on a flight with them or on a bus and you find out somehow that they're Christians and instantly you have this like camaraderie, right? That is the spirit of God that connects us because we're both spiritually alive. Keep look, reading on. Verse three, now we live with great expectation. Now, meaning again, we had no great hope. We had nothing to really look forward to, but now we do as p- people on God's team. Continuing on, we have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us, pure and undefiled, but beyond reach in, of uh, change and decay. And so at one point without Christ, when we're not on his team, we're eternally poor, but instantly when we express faith, there's something that changes. Instantly, we get this retirement account in heaven. Instantly, God gives it to us simply because we are chosen and on his team. And so all of these things that Peter is talking about, he's reminding them and us that there are some things about us that change instantly. Some things that God changes in a moment when we express faith in Christ. How many of you are following me so far? Follow me. Okay, fantastic. Now, Paul writes in Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 21 through 24, He says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature, that's all that stuff in the the left column, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, that Holy Spirit that now lives within each believer, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So right there, we see that there's some changes that happen slowly over time, that God through his spirit, he begins to renew our thoughts and our attitudes. We start thinking and therefore acting differently. We interact with God and other people in ways that please him. And he calls that, that set of characteristics, the new nature. See, we were originally created to be like God, truly righteous. Righteous means you have right standing with others and God. And holiness, which means you have a lifestyle that pleases God. That's how we were originally created to be. And so we see that God, he not only changes some things instantly when we become part of his team, but he changes some things slowly over time. He is, in effect, recreating us in real time. He is, in effect, making us more and more like he originally created us to be. The Bible uses the word sanctification to describe this. And so we are not only saved, but we are sanctified as well. So the question for us is, how do we know that our thoughts and attitudes have changed? How do we know when in in a certain way we've put on that new nature? How do we know that we've become more like God originally created us to be? Well, in verses 6 through 9, Peter, he answers these questions by giving us something to choose, something to remember, and something to see differently. Let's look at something to choose. The first thing, look at verse 6 with me. It says, so be truly glad. Be truly glad. When I read that, I saw instantly, that's something we have to choose. You have to choose gladness. You have to choose that thought, that way of life. You know, as I was looking and searching for pictures that indicated gladness, I had, you know, I'm sorting through a couple dozen of them. I finally settled on this, this lady with shades. I don't know what it was about. I just kind of liked how she was kind of like very looking over her shoulder or something. I don't know. 
but I found myself smiling. Have you ever noticed that? When you are confronted with a lot of smiling people, you can't help but smile. I think you have one of two reactions. You either want to slap them or you want to smile, depending on your mood. Have you ever wanted to slap a smiling person? Yeah, I have. I have to work on that. The Lord is helping me. Okay? But no, naturally, I just started smiling as I kind of flipped through these pictures. Smiling, we tend to forget as Christians, is one of the greatest witnesses that we have. Because if, if we truly realize, especially the things that God changes instantly when we join his team, if we truly realize how awesome those things are, and then we stop to contemplate all the ways that God has changed us and molded us and shaped us for the better through the years that we've been walking with him, we should be smiling, correct? So if you are glad, if we are glad about the changes God has made, then we need to let our disposition reflect that. Proverbs 15, 13 says, a glad heart makes a happy face. A glad heart makes a happy face. So people should see the gladness in our hearts based on our face. And not only that, but it is a witness to other people. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. And so when we are cheerful, when we are glad about the things God is doing, despite the quality of our circumstances, it can bring joy to the heart of others and be a powerful, powerful witness. So something to choose. Be glad. Be glad for the changes God has made and is making in you. Something to remember. Look at verse 6 again with me. There is wonderful joy ahead. There is wonderful joy ahead. This is something to remember. You know, this week... My family and I, we took a little, just a little three-day trip. We went to Moab and to Hanging Lake and back, right? And so, you know, driving through the mountains, when you've done it once, you know, you've done it once, right? You, I mean, it's just like there's winding roads and everywhere you look there, oh, there's another mountain, there's another mountain, you know? And it gets a little tedious at times. At least it did for me. I was the one driving, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? It can get a little tedious, right? And, you know, life can be that way. It's like you just kind of floating and going and driving and you know when you don't have anything waiting for you at the end for us it was Arches National Park for us it was coming back it was Hanging Lake you know in Glenwood Springs we had stuff to look forward to and so it made that tedious drive more bearable it made it kind of exciting actually right and so the same is true for us. You know, sometimes as we're walking with the Lord, things can get tedious. He's just changing us. And, oh, man, here we go again. Man, I thought I was done with it. I thought I learned that. I th- thought I grew in that way. And yet the Lord brings us back again, and he's teaching us. And you know what? Sometimes if we don't have anything to look forward to, it can kind of get kind of a bummer. And yet Paul, uh, Peter reminds these people and us today that there is wonderful joy ahead. Not only do, will we have the uh, ultimate salvation when all things are new, but we will get to see God face to face. How many of you are excited to see God? You know, as kids, we, I even have my little kids, four and five years old. Oh, what does God look like? What is heaven going to be like? You know? We even talked about this yesterday, just walking to the park. And I said, you know, sweetie, you know, outside of a few chapters here and there, the Bible doesn't talk very much about heaven. And I think that's because God wants us to stay very focused on what's in front of us right now, not necessarily always living for, uh, living for that day. But would you turn with me just real quick, turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Let's read just a, a little, little bit. I want you to look at something. 21 verse 3. 21 verse 3. John the apostle is saying, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, 
God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. So one day God is going to make everything new. Look at verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verses 3 and 4. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there. And His servants will worship Him. And they will what? See His face. And His name will be written on their foreheads. They will see His face. I love that. And so, you know what? When life gets tedious for you and I, remember, there is joy ahead. So God, he gave, Paul gave, uh, excuse me, Peter gave us something to choose, gladness, something to remember, there's joy ahead, and then lastly, something to see differently. Go back to verse 7. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire, tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, I love that picture of that little girl trying to see differently. How many of you have ever done this? Done this as a kid? Oh man, it's so much closer. I don't know why it is when you do this, things just get really closer. When you do that, things you can see differently. And I think Paul, or excuse me, Peter is saying to these Christians and to us today, look at the trials, look at these difficult circumstances that you're going through. Look at them differently. Because yeah, that's, that's a, there's a short-term pain. Okay, we tend to forget that trials are short-term pain, okay? How many of you like to exercise or have ever tried to exercise? <laughs> yeah, I love to exercise. It's kind of my only hobby right now, right? I have to de-stress somehow. So, uh, you know what? Short-term pain, I experienced that this morning. I get up, you know, almost each morning and I put in my insanity workout and I'm working out with Sean T. I had to stop that stupid video like six times today. I was huffing and puffing. I was like dying. You know, I wanted, Carrie, I wanted to give up. There was short-term pain there, right? Short-term pain. But I kept going. I dug a little deeper and kept going because I know that there's a long-term gain. There's a health benefit, a stress benefit, right? It gets me awake and alive for the day. And the same thing, uh, Peter is reminding us to have that same attitude with the, with the trials we're facing, there's a short-term pain, but a long-term gain in the quality of our character and also in our relationships with God and others. You know, someone once said, it's a whole lot easier to get older than it is to get better. Isn't that the truth? It's easier to get older than it is to get better. God doesn't want you and I to just grow old in our faith. He wants us to get better and our faith. And so, how does he know when we're changed or not? In the exact same way that you and I, when we turn on the grill and we want to see if that hamburger is done. You flip it over, you pull it apart. Oh, no, it's still pink. You put it right back on there and you keep it in the fire until it's done. And he does the exact same thing with you. He's saying, oh, are they patient enough? Nope. Go back in the fire. You know, are you gentle enough? No, I guess not. Put them back in the fire. You know, he keeps going. He just keeps pushing. How many of you wish God to just take you off that dang fire for a minute? <laughs> Get me off this thing, Lord. I'm patient enough. I'm losing my patience with you. You know, oh, 
But that's exactly what God does. He puts you in and waits until that change is fully done. And so we see, uh, or we've seen so far, there are some things that instantly change and there are some things that slowly change. Now, lest you and I think we're alone in, this, in these trials and in this process, uh, Peter goes on in verses 10 through 12. Take a look at this with me. He said, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about. Skip up uh, to verse 11. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. And so lest we think we're alone in this, we've got to remember that Christ went through this exact same stuff. He is born differently. He's born without sin. That's different for us. But... Hebrews tells us that he was tempted in every way, just like you and I, except without sinning. Except without sinning. He, at all times and in every way, he maintained a right relationship with God and with other people. And so in a way, we see in the person of Jesus Christ who God wanted us to originally be. We see in the person of Jesus Christ a living example of God's original creation for a man, how he originally wanted us to be. I wrote this down in my notes. I I said, for all intents and purposes, Jesus is the firstborn of a recreated human race, uh, like a callback to how God originally wanted us to be. And so eventually, you know, well, I'll start back right now when we express faith in Christ, some things change instantly. The Holy Spirit changes some things slowly, but as we read in Revelation, eventually All things will be made new and we will be like Christ. We will have those characteristics. We will not be Christ. That's a common um, heresy, I guess I'd call it. Uh, Some uh, misguided people think that. No, we will not be Christ, okay? But we will be like him. We will have his characteristics, okay? And we will enjoy that same relationship that he has with God the Father, and so, um, how many of you are, are glad that God has changed you? How many of you are glad that He is changing you? How many of you are glad that one day He will change everything and make everything new? He will make everything new. Amen. Would you stand and pray with me today? Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that Peter shared with those people in uh, Asia Minor. We thank you that even yet today it remains relevant to us as we think about our identity, as we realize our worth that you sent Jesus to die for us. Lord, that you chose us to be on our team, that you gave us your Holy Spirit as like a uniform, God, just to, and, and that you're continually changing us, Lord God. We thank you for that. We thank you that one day all things will be made new, Lord. We thank you that you chose us to change us, God, that you didn't leave us the same, that we can not just grow older, but grow better in our faith and in our walk with you and in our walk with each other. And so I just pray a blessing over uh, these wonderful people, people who have chosen to come to Cornerstone today. Lord, I pray just that you would bless their marriages, bless their relationships with their kids, 
Lord, bless the rest of this day, despite it's going to be cold. Lord, just give us a, a warmth in our, in our spirit. Lord, God, let us look at life differently, especially the trials that we're facing right now. I just pray that you would go and lead us in triumph, lead us in victory, each and every one of us, in Jesus' name. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.